Welcome to another sermon podcast from All Souls Anglican Church, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Thanks for joining us as we study God's Word together. These weekly sermons are part of the teaching ministry of our church. Have your Bible ready as we begin this week's sermon. And stay tuned when we finish at the end to find out more about us. Now we're at the seventh in a verse-by-verse sermon series on Paul's letter to the Colossians. We're in God's Word this afternoon at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. That's page 984 in the Pew Bible in the rack in front of you. Now in our study so far, we've seen how the Apostle Paul has sought to minister to the Colossians in a problem, a problem of false teaching that they had in their city and in the region around them. And we learned that this teaching attempts to redefine the gospel, that it saved the Colossians by declaring that it was insufficient, that more was needed. And so we learned the danger of focusing on secondary methods. In doing so, what is lost is the primary reality, the the pure gospel itself. That is what diminishes into the background. We also learned two very important principles. The first is that it is the gospel lens that sets Jesus Christ in his proper place as Lord of all, whose mission is to save us before the foundation of the world. We cannot, we must not as believing Christians, imagine Jesus separated from his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. We are never to assume less of Christ than those gospel essentials. When we do so, what happens is our sinful hearts automatically fill in the vacuum with our own agendas. And the result that we have is our own self-centered affirmation rather than our Savior's glorification. Now, that was the first principle. We keep coming back to that. We also learned in our second principle that we must continually refresh our minds through God's word so that we stabilize our thinking. We keep it grounded in the preeminence of Jesus Christ. That it's only in understanding his true fullness as our creator and sustainer and redeemer who reconciles sinful men and women to be holy and blameless before God that you and I will achieve a true fullness in our sanctification. We also saw how those two principles are the focus of Paul's own ministry and in his prayer for the people of Colossae. And then at chapter 2, verses 6 through 15, we reach the great hinge point of Paul's letter as he set out the grammar of the gospel. That is, its indicatives, the statements of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And then last week, we saw how Paul pauses to underline, as it were, several times the danger 
of false teaching in what we called a half-learned Christ, in which people saw something of Christ, but did not understand the obvious implications of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We saw that the problem of a half-learned Christ is it leaves you open to all sorts of religious teaching that sounds right, but is actually totally wrong and is deeply sinister. Now today in our study, we come to Paul's commands, the imperatives of the gospel, and how we are to live the Christian life. And what we have before us in chapter 3 verses 1 through 17, is what I think is the finest statement in the entire Bible of how we are to live the Christian life. You see, up to now, Paul's given hints of this theme in chapters 1 and 2. We can see it several times. You can go back and count them for yourselves in a study this week, if you wish. Look and see where he writes, in Christ and with Christ. In chapters 1 and 2. Those are the hints you see. And in chapter 3. We have this great explanation. Of the new you. It's divided into three sections. So we're going to take the next three Sundays. To study them. I want to do this. Because there is so much in our culture today. That presses upon you. That wants to define who you are. And that pressure is so corrosive, my dear friends. You see, every one of us is a victim of this corrosive culture around us. We let it define us in how we look or appear to others, in our beauty, our status, our usefulness, our value to others. And if we allow it, it can leave us in a very sore state indeed. We have so much today, yet we have never been so dissatisfied. Now, why is that? We've allowed the world in. We've let it define us. We have a half-learned Christ, my dear friends, because the world is never satisfied with you. It consumes more and more of you. That is why understanding, truly understanding who you are as a new creation in Jesus Christ not only brings peace that the world cannot give, but it also stabilizes you in such a way that others, lost, the lost, will be drawn to find out why you have such a stability, such a peace in the world today. For that is the believing Christian. You and I are a new creation. And we can therefore see in verses 1 through 4 how Paul wants to impress upon the believers at Colossae the starting point of being a new creation. In verse 1, he sets out the fact of a believer's new identity in the established fact of Christ's own resurrection, that you and I are raised with Jesus Christ. In verses 2 to 3, he explains our new mindset. How is it supposed to work? 
And then in verse 4, it is the new future for every believer. So let's have a look at those for a moment right now. First, that we have a new identity in verse 1. If then, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now the Apostle Paul has just made it very clear that the false teachers are very concerned with this world. So he calls the believer's attention to their new reality, to the new world where Christ is now. You see, if you are a believer, you are raised with Christ. Now what does that mean, to be raised with Christ? Well, here we know it's metaphorical. It's not literal. Because the resurrection with Christ, in a physical resurrection like Christ, is still future for each and every one of us. We have that great comfort in knowing that the sting of death will be removed and we will rise again with our Savior. But more of that later. But Colossians 2.12 gives us our context here. Do you see that there? It's just a bit above where we're studying today. It says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. You see, you've been brought to new life with Christ when you were spiritually dead, when you were raised with him through faith in the power of God. It's about your conversion. On every occasion, When you recall that day or you recall your baptism, that great sign that shows that you are now in Jesus Christ, you are impressed again and again with the reality. The reality, my dear friends, as sure as Christ was crucified and raised on the third day, you were there. As the old hymns always sing that you and I were there. We participated in Christ's death and in his resurrection. And so we draw conclusions about that. So the great question is, do you ever remind yourself of that? Have you done that recently? Has it ever stirred your heart in your life of prayer or in your time in God's word? My dear friend, take care here because you're drifting toward a half-learned Christ. You see, if your death with Christ, it severed what bound you to the old world as trying to impose its dominion on you again and again and again, this corrosive acid of its expectations. But you and I, being in Christ, We are bound and we are made one and new in him. And so we have the means to pull ourselves away and out of this corrosive and sticky mess. We're bound to him in a new order. We make it our aim to please him. We are citizens of a spiritual kingdom in which Christ, your Lord, is king. Now, how in the world can we understand this measure of the reorientation of ourselves? Well, I can give you an illustration of this. 
It happened all the time to me when I was serving as a Church of England pastor. Now, when I was in the Church of England, I was no different from a man or other men all around me. I wore the same vestments they did. I was of the same flesh and blood. I had the same genes in my cells, the same need for food and drink. I was no different. Until we would get together and worship that called for playing the national anthem. God save the queen. And suddenly I realized I don't think I'm in the United States anymore. Why? Because I am an American. I am a thankful citizen of the United States. And as I stood there, I would get uncomfortable because I knew that was not my national anthem. I was different. I had a different attitude. I understood myself differently. I was not one of them. You see, the scripture tells us precisely the same thing, that if you are a believer, my dear friend, this afternoon... You have been taken out of Adam's family and transferred to the family and the inheritance of Jesus Christ. So what is his has been gained as yours. Because Jesus not only regains what Adam lost in the garden, that direct relationship with your heavenly father, but he has surpassed Adam giving you, in your inheritance, the glory of the Godhead itself. You are in a new country. You are a new citizen. You are different. You are not one of them. You see, Paul is saying that it's not just our status, but our entire being, my dear friends. We are in Christ. That is our new identity. We live our lives in Christ. So that's the question. Do you ever have a sense that you are different from others because you are in Jesus Christ? That you are a believer? Is there a tension there? Is there an awkwardness there? My friends, fill your heart with these truths that you have died and are raised with Christ. And so the more your heart is set upon Jesus Christ, and the more you love him for what he did for you, the more you are enabled to live out your earthly life as a blessing to others and bring the clarity of the gospel to them. You have a new identity. The second is you have a new mindset in verses 2 and 3. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now Paul sees these truths that we must seek as so important that he intensifies and clarifies what he means in this further command in verses 2 and 3. Set your minds. This is a command, the imperative. There's no question about it. We are to develop a new way of thinking, a new mindset. And we see here the great principle of the scriptures, don't we? 
that is the mind that is the key to the transformation of our lives. Now notice particularly that it's not about IQ. Right now on Facebook with those numerous quizzes they have, you can take a what is your IQ test. Don't do it. All right? And why are you on Facebook anyway? The thing is, my dear friends, the sad thing is that there have been many, many geniuses in human history with IQs that go off the charts, but they have missed the gospel completely. Our Savior even talked of this. He said that it has been hidden from the wise and revealed to children. IQ alone is not enough. It is the nature of your mindset. It is your attitude Paul is talking about. It is what you prize or what you value. You see, my dear friends, it does not take a high IQ to fix on Jesus Christ. But it does take a heart full of love for him. And that is only gained when you realize what he has done for you. Romans 12 says that as the mind is renewed by the truth of the gospel, by the mercies of God, Paul says, your image is renewed in the likeness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a new identity, therefore we fill our minds with Jesus Christ and our renewed minds transform our lives. That's precisely what Jesus says in John 17, 17. A fantastic verse. Sanctify them in the truth our Savior prayed for us. Your word, Heavenly Father, is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God. Now notice how Paul writes, your life is hidden with God. Now, what does that mean? Well, there are two related perspectives in the word hidden here. The first related perspective is in this sense. John 1.10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. In the same way that the world did not recognize Jesus Christ, that he was hidden, the world will not recognize a believing Christian either. Who Jesus is, is hidden from those who are perishing. You, who truly are in Jesus Christ, are hidden from those who are perishing precisely because you are in him. And there is a comfort here, isn't there? In the same way that it's impossible for a man and woman of the world to see the glory of God in the man crucified on the cross, the way he suffered humiliation, we will endure the same. This means that our persecution brings spiritual blessing to believers because we understand that when we endure what we endure because of Jesus Christ, It is because we have become more like him. We are more like him. And so 
we suffer for him. Listen to 1 John 3.1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And the second related perspective of hiddenness concerns our assurance. That is, we are completely and totally secure. We are hidden with Christ. You see, Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice and that no one can pluck them out of his hand. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment the hand of your heavenly father coming down on the hand of your savior and you and I are resting in that pocket of their interlocked palms. For that is your security. That is your assurance. That is where you are right now. You are in that palm-locked hand of your heavenly Father. Indeed, the entire Trinity itself has gathered to make sure that you will endure. If you want assurance of your deliverance, consider the character, the loving character of the God who holds you there right now. So we have a new identity. We have a new mindset. And we have a new future. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you see the empowering comfort here? We have God, the Holy Trinity, locked you in their embrace. They are so committed to you. You, my dear friend, are the focus of their attention. Now, only a believer can glory in that. For anyone else who is not in Jesus Christ, they run and hide, as our first parents did when they heard our father walking in the cool of the garden at the end of the day. That you and I have their attention, their focus, and we live in their presence every single second. That nothing on this earth will reach its consummation until you and I are ready to shine and be in glory. That, my dear friends, is the power that is working in you right now, transforming your life. So if you are struggling this day, then my dear friend, remember God's great project in you. That adversity must be part of God's loving embrace because you are not of this world. And if you are not of this world, then there must be friction between you and the world that is passing away. But there's more here. Have you been misunderstood? Have you suffered for your witness of Christ? Has there been injustice in your life? Well, my dear friends, there is a day of vindication. On that day, you will appear with him in glory. The world will see you as you truly are. Think of it like this. Your life as a believer is a part of the plan of God. And that plan, and so you yourself, is to be revealed 
to the world at the end of the age. That means that everything that is happening, every setback, everything that's going on right now has meaning because it's moving toward a destination. Are you alone today? Do you take a stand for Jesus Christ and think you're alone? Weighed down by it all? Well, my dear friend, there will be a day. Then, your faithfulness, your diligence and perseverance, you, one of the many outwardly unsuccessful, forgotten Christians, will be revealed. Will be revealed gloriously in all the glory of your Savior, Jesus Christ, because you have served your Lord. I mean, think of Paul, the prisoner, the Jew sent to the Romans, and a worse than Gentile traitor to the Jews who had a cloak and a few scrolls at the end of his life. We will see him as he truly is, the apostle, the servant of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Or the Colossians, these insignificant ex-pagans from a third-rate country town upriver will be seen in a glory which they, if they were to appear right here among us now, you and I would be tempted to worship them. And then there is you and me. We are a small fellowship of believers in a church plant, yeah, barely six months old right now, living in a small corner of one of the smaller states of North America, and you and I will be seen in a glory which, if it were to appear now, would dazzle the eyes of anyone passing by. Because we are all in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is our life. And this is how we are to regard our lives. On this foundation, we're to build ourselves into a glorious Christian maturity. You see, my dear friends, you cannot be sufficient. And be a Christian. You must have Jesus Christ. What if you let the world define you as you are? What if you let that happen to you here today? And you're weighed down with the weight of it all. My dear friend, you're learning a great lesson. For the world's ways are the ways of the broken cistern that can hold no water. It only mocks us because only in Christ is the water of life that can be given to us freely because he alone quenches our thirst. We are to seek Christ above all. None but Christ can satisfy. My dear friends, throw away the idols of this world. Put them aside in disgust. And draw your satisfaction from your Savior alone. Glory in your new identity. Dig deep into that new mindset. And be comforted that you have a glorious destiny. For it is all his gift to all those 
who trust in him. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us by going to our website, allsoulsnj.org. There, you can support our mission by making a one-time donation or starting a podcast member subscription by clicking the Support the Show link under the Contact Us tab. You can also support us in prayer by clicking the Email Newsletter tab at the top. All Souls Anglican Church. Simple Church. Ancient Truth. Real People. New Life.